Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind for episode 107 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I'm here with Wesley Matthews, Chief Growth Officer of HighLevelMarketing.com. Wesley, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yeah, ex- excited to to dive into it. Uh, the The company looks really exciting. Obviously, today's day and age, the stuff that you guys do is so important for for so many businesses, right? We're we're gonna dive into marketing in general, social media, content creation, all that fun stuff. Before we do, can you give a little bit of an introduction? Just let us know a little bit more about who you are and, and what the company focuses on. Yeah, for sure. So again, my name is Wesley Matthews. I'm Chief Growth Growth Officer of High Level Marketing. I actually founded the company in 2009, Hmm. Uh, so we had a really great 11-year run where I was the entrepreneur and the CEO of the organization, and actually uh, March of last year, um, went through a large acquisition, and we actually rolled in two agencies together. So my sort of goal as an entrepreneur was to one day either sell the company, uh, but this opportunity presented itself to come together, which I stepped aside. Um, and now we have a new CEO who took over in mm-hmm. that organization. So I'm now on the side, kind of help growing and still leading the charge. But, uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I like to build things. I don't really, you know, I got it to a point and I felt it would be better to hand it off to somebody else on a professionally managed side. So, you know, I started the company back in 2009 uh, just for a simple reason. I actually worked for a web company locally that, you know, quite frankly, wasn't doing a great job of servicing customers. And uh, I kind of watched this go on firsthand and, I was sitting there thinking, like, there's got to be an easier way to do this. It shouldn't be this complicated. And, uh, you know, from early on, I was always an entrepreneur, just kind of want to do my own thing and would see problems, try to create solutions. And uh, just said, you know what, I'm going to go out and do this myself. And I actually just, Mm -hmm. you know, bought the domain name probably three to four years prior to launching the company, High Level Marketing. I actually woke up in a cold sweat one night just saying, like, chanting High Level Marketing. And I went (laughs) online. And the domain name was available. And, you know, this is at the time where like there's nothing you know marketing related available. So I bought it, put it in my back pocket, and you know, a million stories to kind of w- where it got to that point. But my goal was simple. I I wanted to work with entrepreneurial ran companies. Mm-hmm. You know, I never liked the Fortune 500, the corporate. I love the entrepreneurial spirit, um, and I just had this passion to to really help small businesses that are scrappy entrepreneurs and really help them. You know, digital marketing is complicated. There's a million companies out there. There's a million things that you can do. And I just saw this void in the marketplace. And fast forward today, it's still, you know, it's still here and it's still, you know, more important than it was then, you know, with mm-hmm. all the technology and the changes and where the web is versus where it was, you know, 15 years ago. Right. It's super interesting. I'm excited to dive in, especially kind of to hear more about the merger. But let's start closer to the beginning. So when you were working for that first web company, was that kind of your first you know, job? Like, is that what you went to school for? What, what, what did the beginning of your career look like? Yeah, so I took the I kind of joke with people. You know, I went to community college for uh, six or seven years. So I tell people I went to become a web doctor. It just took me a very long time. <laughs> school wasn't my thing. You know, to be honest, I don't even know if I opened a, a textbook in high school. You know, I was just always a relationship guy, a party guy. You know, I always knew just from a, I would always be in sales or something. I just had that kind of gift to gab. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it, early on to that company, I had, I had actually worked for a large corporate organization selling <coughs> loans. I was a loan officer. Mm-hmm. And I went from like not selling a loan to six months later, I ended up hitting like the top 10 list in that company. And I remember sitting there looking outside, like I'm 25, 26 years old at the time or whatever. And I'm just like, I, I can't do this for the rest of my life. 
I'm wearing right. clothes I hated. I looked around me. I just hated the environment. And uh, one day I just upped and quit. You know, I kind of moonlit at this web company while I was doing it. But once I got a taste and I saw all the dysfunction, I wanted to take that leap and just go out on my own and saw the opportunity. Right. So how did you get into the web dev work as someone who was just, say, you know, doing sales for a loan company? So what was kind of interesting is, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a, I'm a relationship type guy. And I would just talk to the developers and talk to the operations people and just listen to them, all their gripes and everything that's going wrong. And they would always complain about salespeople like misrepresenting deals. And I just like listened. And, you know, from the outside looking in, I would have thought that you'd have to have like all this technology experience and, you know, understand how to code. But I realized it's just if you can just meet the right people and put them in the right seats and eliminate roadblocks for them you know, you can do this. Like, it's not that difficult to do. So the reason why I, I gravitated toward web and digital is number one, it was interesting. You can meet what, you know, you could sell 10 plumber, 10 plumbers, a website. They all do business a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also it's, you know, I'm 24, 25 at the time, right? So writing loans, having conversations about people's mortgages, like from a financial perspective, I'm too young. I barely have any facial hair. Like it just didn't make sense. But tech, I'm in my prime. You know, being mid twenties, I'm the guy that people will listen to. So I kind of like embrace that, and I'm just like, I'm just gonna go all in, and this is what I'm gonna just research and just go and do and and and, and solve problems. So it kind of all just perfect storm fit together, and I was passionate about it. So talking to companies and just sharing, like they could kind of feel that passion and know that if, if they did hook onto us, that they were gonna be successful. Right. So were you more of like a like a dev manager is, is what it kind of sounded like a little bit? No. So from that company, I was a sales guy. I was just bringing in deals. And quite frankly, every deal I brought into the organization, they blew it up, you know, and, and that's where I got very frustrated because I said, look, nobody cares about your company. It's me. It's my name, my reputation. When I tell you, Josh, I'm going to do something. I can control that and I'm going to do that. But right. when I hand that off to an organization that I'm representing and they blow it up, it's the, it's my relationship. And I wasn't willing to put that into jeopardy. Um, right. And I said, man, I'm going to build a company with integrity and do it the right way. Hmm. Very cool. Can we take a quick pause, Wesley? Because there's a lot of entrepreneurs or solopreneurs or entrepreneurs out there that might have the skills, the knowledge. And, and they don't have the kind of gift of the gab, the, the sales, you know, maybe the sales part doesn't really come naturally to them. Do you have maybe two or three tips on on what you think you did well or, you know, continue to yeah. do well or for those who are struggling, a few things they can focus on? For sure. Um, you know, just just being honest and, and authentic and, and over communicate. But I think I'll kind of give you the opposite to that answer. I have that ability. My other ability that I don't have is the technical side. So what I did is, you know, think of the yin yang, the other side of me that I needed to be successful to launch this organization was my partner and CTO of the organization. So when we came together, it's like if I can manage, I kind of relate everything to the restaurant industry. My first job, I was a dishwasher. It just makes a lot of sense from an analogy perspective. So think about it. When you walk into a restaurant, you have the front of the house, you have the hostess stand, you have the building, you have the bar, you have all these things that it's all the experience, right? To the plates, to how you're being presented. And then you have the back of the house, like the weighing of the chicken and all the systems and all that stuff. My partner and I were very clear, like I'm the front of the house, you're the back of the house. You know, right. don't cross over on my area. I won't cross over in your area. We'll work together as partners. And that's sort of like the beginning. So I would encourage any entrepreneur, anybody thinking, 
look, as an entrepreneur, you want to go out, you want to make all the money, you want to have all the success, but it does take a village. I mean, the, the bigger and faster we grew, it was because I brought in really smart people and having a partner that filled the gaps that I wasn't strong on really helped us get to where we needed to go. I would have been able to do it by myself. Right. And so can we talk about how you found that person? Because it's it makes so much sense, right? Especially in hindsight, you're really good at this one thing. Focus on that one thing. Find somebody yep. who's good who's good at the other thing. How did you come about? Was it kind of natural or was it okay, now I'm deciding I want to quit this one company. Now let me go look for this person who could fill that role. So going back to like I was with that one organization, I started my own without him. You know, and I was trying to do it myself and I'm struggling, I'm contracting mm-hmm. stuff, I'm sending work everywhere. And then one day we sell a, an organization by the name of Wireless Toys. And again, this is like 12 years ago, right? So if you remember Wireless Giant or for some listening, you probably don't know this, but there used to be stores that would sell cell phones that wasn't Verizon or T-Mobile. They haven't entered the marketplace yet. They had about 200 locations across the country. We sold them a local SEO package. Long story short, their web manager wanted to meet me to go through the onboarding of this project. So I'll never forget. I'm like, okay, I'll take a meeting with this guy. I meet him. We're the same age. I think he had just gotten married. I had just gotten married. I had one kid. He had one on the way. And and again, thankfully, I have, you know, I'm a relationship guy. I kind of dive in. He's more of the introvert. Like he's the techie guy. We started having a conversation. I'm like, wow, this guy's bright. Like this is one of the smartest uh, web software guys I've ever talked to. Most of them are very introverted. Nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. he was like, I'm like, man, there, there could be an opportunity here. So we started talking and I was like, look, I'm having some difficulty trying to pull these projects together. Like, I'm just looking for one person. And long story short, I started sending him projects. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that whatever else he was working on was taking priority versus what I was sending. So one day, like my back was against the wall. It was like a really rough day in the business. And I was just kind of questioning everything, ready to throw in the towel. And I said, hey, I got I got a proposal for you. Like, let's partner 50-50. I had revenue. I had clients. And I'm like, I'm not going to go tit for tat. I don't even care. Day one, we partner. You share in that. And he actually had a designer that was on his team that he, little did I know at the time, he was like a day away from firing him because he couldn't pay for him any longer. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of serendipitously got together and you know shared resources. And then that was kind of the concept. Like you support whatever I sell, build it, support it, make it work and I'll do everything else. And then what we mm-hmm. started to do from that point was replicate who do I need to help so I can just, cause I was all this, I was everything to the sales organization. I was doing everything outside of building the websites at that point. And he was doing everything on the back end and design. And then that's how we grew the organization. We just slowly started replacing ourselves with the most important aspects because his highest level of value is working on technology. Mine is sales and, and onboarding customers. And that's sort of where we started and where we, you know, just kind of escalated and grew the company from there. Right. But but up until that point, Wesley, like you, you went out and were like selling multiple com- companies for multiple projects. And you didn't have anybody else on staff? Like it was all just contractors fly by the seat of your pants? It was, you know, I was Rambo in the jungle with a machete. <laughs> like it was, you know, I didn't have any support, a lot of naysayers, a lot of people like just, why don't you just go get a normal job? You know, um, but I just had this like, I fought, I just went for it, you know, like. I remember my mom telling me at an early age, I wanted to get a job as a dishwasher, I think at 13 or 14. And I'll never forget, she looked at me and she's like, 
why do you want to work now? You're going to work the rest of your life. And I'm like, I'm not, you know, and I just took it. I've always been the guy that took a different path. You know, mm-hmm. if everybody's going this way, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking around and I just kind of beat up my own drum. And I just knew that at some point, if you put in the, the work, the effort, something will happen. So I think you do make your own luck. How, how much do you want it? I mean, I found John because that's the pursuit and that's what I was going after. And I think what you put in your priority and what you look for, you find. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the analogy of like, I don't know if you ever bought a car or something like that. I'll never forget when I bought a Jeep Wrangler, black Jeep Wrangler. I never noticed any Jeeps on the road. Mm-hmm. I bought a Jeep Wrangler. Now all of a sudden, all these people are waving at me. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, I never even noticed Jeeps. Now I have all these people waving at me and realize like, there's a lot of Jeeps on the road. I just never paid any attention to it. So for me, it was just keep going. This is by design what I want to do. And it just happened. Right. My, my mom is a Jeep Wrangler and the first time I visited and I was I was borrowing it, she's like, you have to pay attention. When other Wrangler drivers drive by, they're going to wave. You have to wave back. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. Sure. Anyways, it's, it's very funny. Uh, very cool, Wes. So is it is it fair to say that like when you brought on your partner, obviously things never get easy, right, in entrepreneurship, but they, did they kind of click better and, and it was like a more natural growth from there? And and. And how did you handle it in the sense that I find a very tough point really at almost any stage for some company that's trying to grow is like, at what point do you hire, right? Like at what point are you bringing in enough revenue and can it be consistent enough Hmm. to support more employees, whether it's one, five, 10, whatever. How did you guys approach that? So I was basically the CEO, the CFO, chief sales officer, and when we architected the company, my goal was to charge customers a setup fee and then a monthly reoccurring fee behind that. So when I would go out and sell deals, right, I'm selling hundred dollars to $250,000 a month, which at the time is just a ton of revenue for what we're doing. Um, what, you know, what, were you, what were you selling for that amount of money? Yeah, so we had like the A, B, and C package, like the good, the better, best, right? Website. SEO, depending on the level of SEO. So our specialty mm-hmm. is and still is, you know, getting companies ranked locally in their market and driving leads that way. So, you know, I was very, look, there was a time where I remember I hired my first real employee in that organization. She responded to an ad in Craigslist for, for let's just say a, a bargain. She came on that company because she believed in the organization and that was back in 2009. She's still with us today. She's a high hmm. level uh, VP, making well over six figures a year. She's awesome. She's grown with us. She's a phenomenal just human being. Um, I remember hiring her and looking at my partner and said, I don't know how the hell we're going to pay her, but we're <laughs> hiring her. And you know, my goal was to create this revenue, create this opportunity and create revenue and take money out of the company along the way. Um, but a big part for me was I controlled that. So I knew what I was capable of and I knew I was going out there and getting deals. I wasn't relying on anybody else. And I knew what my partner was putting in the organization. Again, it was, you do this, I do this. It wasn't like we both kind of cross and he sucks at this and I'm doing more over here. It was like, I don't even care what you're doing over here. Let's just have confidence in each other and go. Mm-hmm. So what I would do and how I scaled and hired up until about you know a handful of people was, I could throttle that by the deals we came on again because we had the setup fee and the monthly recurring fee behind that. So at the time, I mean, we're stacking five to seven thousand dollars a month in recurring revenue into our organization, which 
as soon as I'd go 5,000 in, in reoccurring revenue, I'd make a higher, I'd make a higher, I'd make a higher. I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, it, it's really simple. Not to say it didn't get scary at times, because look, I'm not this buttoned up CFO, but I always had this concept of like $100,000 ahead. And when I get to five to 7,000, I was like, I got to hire people. I'm going to hire smart people and we're going to grow this organization. And right. you know, boiling it down to that, that was our model and it worked. We didn't right. have to take capital. I didn't have to give more to the company away. Um, you know, there was times it got scary and didn't know how the hell we we're going to get to two weeks. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure many people have ran into the three payroll period a month and it sucks and it's hard. Sometimes you're not going to take a salary or a draw. But I think if you have the, you know, if you can see past the horizon, you'll, you'll figure out a way, you know, entrepreneur, mm -hmm. entrepreneur isn't, it's not for everybody. You know, I think that it's uh, a lot of people hear about it and they're like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Like it's a grind. You know, I just oh, yeah. had lunch with a good friend of mine, you know, you know, that we've been friends for the last 10 years and we're both on the board of an organization. We were like, man, it was a tiring year. Like, it's just, it's a grind. Yeah. Yeah. And a quick side note, like the first hire, I mean, this isn't the focus of this show, but there's nothing wrong too if you don't want to be an entrepreneur and you're super smart and work hard and find someone like you who's like running a business that you believe in, Take a, let them take a chance on you early and you yeah. can rise with them and probably sleep a little bit better at night. But anyways, that's a, that's a bit of a tangent. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about pricing because it sounds like, like that's what everybody wants, right? Is reoccurring revenue. Yeah. How did you come up with the model? And, and the other thing I'm curious about is, do you think that every business should work towards that? Like, what if you're selling more like one-off services? So what would you recommend to entrepreneurs like that? Because I think in an ideal world, yeah. every company would have recurring revenue. I mean, it's, 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 there's so many benefits. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe it was dumb luck. Maybe it was my, my community college education. I, I don't know. I, I just had this idea around, look, it's really hard to sell somebody something. And I never sold anybody anything. I come in, I consult, I coach, I help them make an educated decision. If we can facilitate and deliver, fantastic. And it happens to be our product. And I looked at that and said, man, if you do that once a year, I have to come back out to you, Josh, and go back through the sales pitch and do all this work. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of time, energy, and effort. But our company is designed where we're doing ongoing work. And look, if I said, hey, Josh, today, like, you know, da da da, it's $2,000 or you can spend a hundred dollars a month, everybody's going to take a hundred dollars a month. And I also, in the, in the early, in the beginning, I'll be honest. I mean, I was like, look, if we can create a product that's less than a Mercedes Benz payment, you sort of fly under the radar and you're not this huge pain point for an organization where they're spending five to 10 grand a month. Cause I also at the time knew some people that had businesses where they had five accounts world with the shit. I mean, this is in 2009 where Lehman, like the stock market just went, belly up and everybody lost a lot of money. A lot of people lost businesses. And this is when I launched my company, October of 2009. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to build a company that has five accounts. I'm going to have volume. That way, if I have all these customers paying money, if this happens, if 25% of them cancel, I'm not going to lose my business. Mm -hmm. And I, I think as an entrepreneur, like what works for me may not work for you or the listeners, but like, figure out what you want and how you want your life and all these integrations to come together. Cause what I learned in my experience, again, look, I mean, I think when I started, I was 24, 25, I'm 40 years old. Like if I knew what I knew now, blah, blah, you know that, you know that story. But like, if I can reflect back, it's like, wow, like 
the learning and, and the patience and just, you know, what works for me now. I have four kids now. I, I think my wife was maybe pregnant at the time. It's just, it's, it's what do you want to design and what makes the most sense? If it makes mm-hmm. sense for you to go out and make a one-time sale and, and you like that and that's what helps you build your company and that's what you want to do, you know, more power to you. Um, you know, so I guess it's just looking in the mirror, designing out what you want. But again, I also think too, I think I love reoccurring revenue and I try to figure out ways to create it for any company. Um, mm-hmm. I invested back in a carpet cleaning business in COVID because I was bored, it just happened. And I started thinking, I'm like, you know, if you get your carpets clean, which I think it's a great business, everybody has carpet for the most part. What do you typically do? You spend you spend two hundred and fifty dollars once a once a year, right? Well, what if you can actually charge a customer like twenty five bucks a month, and we come out twice a year, and then we do an emergency incidental, like if you dumped wine or the dog had an accident or you have a big party and you want your carpets clean, you know? Because again, it's kind of like the gym member members, the gym model the insurance model. Like I, I just love that customers are paying us every single month. That excites mm-hmm. me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, the, there are creative ways to kind of go about it. In terms of picking actual numbers, those first few months or maybe the first year or two, like you, you have your guys in the back. How do you how do you price it, right? Like how, how, how did you price the different tiers? How did you come up with those numbers? So early on, I mean, it was, it was pretty simple, pretty simple and stupid, to be honest. It was kind of like a third, a third, a third, a third profit, a third cost, like a third salary or sales cost. Um, that's really was like the back of the napkin. And also for like what we did, it's market too, right? It's what is everybody else doing? Where do we show up in the marketplace? And I'll tell you, like, we've rolled with that model for a while, but then realized we're leaving a ton of money on the table and it's all perception, right? I mean, we're doing web and digital it's a, re- a results ROI driven service. So for us, that was kind of like the starting point to like what it's evolved today. I mean, there are some deals we did back then that we just gave away, but you learn mm-hmm. from all of them, right? You're like, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. Or, hey, we had a great opportunity here. I think those are the things as an entrepreneur and building a business that I think that there's no shortcuts. You can't just sidestep and then walk into it. Like you have to go through those things to get to the top of the mountain or, I mean, that's just where experience, like if I reflect back on everything we've ever done and any loss or like terrible client we took on, it's just great learnings from that and great experience to help us plan for the future and and just execute differently as you you grow. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk more about more recently when, how how did this merger come about? You said you were kind of looking for it. Again, was it serendipitous? Were you using a broker? How did that come about? So, you know, I always had a vision in my mind that, you know, high level marketing, we do a hundred million in revenue. I don't know why I picked that number. Um, you know, what, what happened simply was, look, I was the CEO of the company. You know, we grew from that example of like being fearful of how to pay this individual at my first hire to having 50 employees in the organization where I have a full leadership team. I have, I mean, we are a real company and the company is becoming larger than myself. Um, I can kind of walk in. Now I can walk in on Fridays and people freak out because I'm even there on a Friday. Like, and I, I had the fortune, I was fortunate enough to, through the trajectory of the growth of the company, I joined an organization called EO, which is called Entrepreneur Organization. Um, you're able to join that organization once your business does over a million dollars. And basically it's like you're with a bunch of local entrepreneurs that are really growing and successful in their industry. And I also implemented what's called EOS that stands for the entrepreneurial operating system. Again, 
I'm not this, you know, MBA, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. So I build things, I go, and I was able to take a framework and apply that to the business and, and really design a business that started to like not need me. So I think that as any entrepreneur, you know, today versus where I was, ego aside, I looked in the mirror and what I learned early on is, you know, at some point as an entrepreneur, you have to move on and you have to move into a professionally managed setting. And I was really feeling that pressure because look, in 2020, we did 6.5 million in revenue, um, grew the company well over 10, 15% a year. But for me, it's like, this isn't fast enough and there's so much more opportunity. And I had a real challenge mentally to be like, maybe I'm not the guy, right? Everybody has that person in their head that you're second guessing yourself. But I really felt that, you know, I kind of put that into my psyche and said, man, I, I wonder if I could do something my partner was also a little burnt out. COVID happened, right? March, come back from a trip. March, we shut our office down, just signed a year lease into our office. Mm -hmm. The week later, nobody's going to the office. So, you know, starting the summertime, I'm getting emails. I get calls all the time from private equity. We're starting to become on the radar for, for investors. And one day I get an email from this guy and he looks just like Grant Cardone. I don't know if you know who Grant Cardone <laughs> yeah. is. I had just listened to him and read his book and I loved it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm at home. I'm bored. Like, let me talk to this guy and just see, you know, see what he's got. So he talks to me. He's kind of like this fast, slick talking guy. And I kind of like him. We're talking. And I gave him like this FU number. I said, if you can get me here, this is what I'll do. So we start laughing, keep in touch, blah, blah, blah. He calls me back in two weeks and says, hey, I, I want, I don't have an agenda, but I want you to meet this guy. He's out in Alabama. I said, okay. Makes sense. I kind of knew what he was doing. I played chess. I'm like two steps ahead. <laughs> anyway, I had just met with my leadership team later in the year. And there's just like a lot on my plate, like in terms of what do we need to change? What do I need to invest? I mean, I was looking at it making like a one, one to $1.5 million investment to really do the initiative we wanted to do. I'm working from home. I, I'm starting to feel like I'm losing connection. I'm kind of like, is this a sign? I talked to this gentleman by the name of Scott Bell. He runs Bell Agent Bell Media in Alabama. So again, high level marketing, we're growing, we're kicking ass, we're a solid company. We have some really strong technology and a great sales team. I'm leading it, I'm a little burnt out. I meet Scott Bell. This guy's so buttoned up, so I'm like, holy shit. This is like a real CEO. So as we're talking, I start seeing this guy and how he talks and I'm like, man this is great and then he's got a coo that's great i love this guy like he just seems like a really great fit and again i i'm with this eos like everything started to like mentally like man i'm ceo my partner cto they lacked a huge nobody owned technology within their organization and they did about 11 million in revenue so nobody owned technology and i'm like blown away that they have a you know their technology is not great mm -hmm. what they had is that investment i was talking about they did it exactly how I would have built it. And they've been operating off it for two years. So I'm like, okay, I'm not a genius, but if you take this and you take this and you match it together, you know, and our synergistic, I mean, it was really scary and eerie how close our product was. And we both were like, at that point, we're like, we're looking to like make that shift to even make it that much better. And we had the same vision. So I really looked at the time as, man, if I could blend it together, and also take some chips off the table by design and stay on in the organization as a C-level, 
because really if you strip me down to my skeleton i'm a relationship guy i'm a, I'm a sales guy at heart i, ju- I just want to build relationships and bring people into the organization and hand it off i don't really want to be the ceo any longer and i also at the time had a lot of people coming to me saying what's next what can i do and i want to advance my career and i'm like i you know i didn't have a good management track or a good growth track for employees and i'm just starting to think like man if i don't do something we might implode as an organization. So really this opportunity came up, we continued to meet and it just happened. And Mm. we started having the conversations in September, we closed the deal at the end of February. So by design as an entrepreneur, um, yeah, I mean, we sold a large position in our company. We now own equity together, a new entity. And the really cool thing about it is we're continuing as high level marketing. They moonlit, Bell Media. We are now high-level marketing, and we rebranded. Mm-hmm. Um, so together now we have 109 teammates um, scattered across uh, Houston, Alabama, Nashville, Detroit. Um, since COVID, we've been able to hire remote all over the country. And my thought process around that is, you know, shared resources, people. Like now we have just a stronger team, stronger infrastructure. Our target when we did the deal in 2021 was supposed to be 18 million in revenue. Uh, we we ended the year at 21 million. Hmm. So, you know, good synergistic value together and to the future, uh, we're looking at making more acquisitions and, you know, rolling companies into our fold and just continuing to grow and go as an organization, get to hundred million. So that was the kind of unique hmm. factor. Like they had the same vision and they were hungry. Just like I met John and early on, I was like feeling depressed and sorry for myself and not motivated. And then I saw a guy, right? And we just kind of motivated each other to go. Now we have two more people on this side. Like, look, a 45-person company to a 110-person company is a big difference. And, you know, I think that this was the catalyst to to help us get to that level. And my thought as an entrepreneur is, look, 50% of, you know, 6 million is great, but 10% of 100 million is that much better. And it's more meaningful. And I really wanted to look at, what kind of opportunity can I create for the people that have done really great things for this organization? Because it's way bigger than me now. You know, a lot of people came at me and said, well, this is your baby. I said, well, fortunately I have four kids so I can speak from experience. <laughs> when they're babies, yeah, they need a lot of attention and you gotta watch them and make sure they're pooping and peeing on you and sticking stuff in their mouth and it's, it's tough. But at some point that baby's gonna grow up and they're gonna be 18 and you just gotta guide them. They don't need you per se. I think your job as a parent to grow and go on. And I literally look at that analogy in my head and high level marketing is like this 18 year old kid ready to go on into the world. It didn't need me anymore. I did my job to the best of my ability and things had to change. Mm-hmm. And you know, your listeners or as an entrepreneur, like sometimes things get in my head and I have to make them happen and I get mental blocks and, and, for whatever reason, serendipity, like it all worked out. And here we are 10 months later and I couldn't be happier and I wouldn't change any of it. It was a wild ride. So I mean that, and, and I also, in a sick way, I wanted to go through that experience. I wanted to go through a transaction like that to gain that experience and knowledge. And I'm so thankful and grateful that we had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's an incredible story. And, and maybe in a weird way too, it's like every five, 10 years, you need a shakeup right? Like you've been doing the same thing, you know, obviously things change and managing a three person company versus 45 is obviously very different. But you know, after 10 years of 
selling marketing services, right? Maybe maybe you just needed a little shakeup. Do you think anything like that could have happened, Wesley, if it wasn't for such close-knit values and, and kind of vision? Like, can, can, a, can a transaction like that happen successfully uh, if, you know, maybe parties aren't so aligned? So my deal was unique in my own way because there was the transaction, but then there's the future. Mm-hmm. So the whole goal of my the deal I did is I'm staying on to continue to grow and go with the company. The outcome would have been a lot different if I was selling 100% and saying I'm done. Right. So in this transaction, there was a lot of give and take. And you, you know what I mean? It was like more of how do we come together to make decisions? And there were some things that I wasn't going to move on. There's other things that I, quite frankly, didn't care about. So to be honest with you, I think it's all circumstantial. Like it just depends on where the entrepreneur is. Again, I think that the one thing I know about entrepreneurs is the passion. And I think once you lose the passion, that's probably when you need to start asking yourself, you know, what am I doing this for? And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate enough where, you you know, I I, I started as an entrepreneur and my whole focus was I want to make as much money as possible. And like that, a few years later, that just went away. Like the money wasn't the thing and the money followed the success. And I think it's even more unique when you start to make decisions where money isn't even the driver. So now it's like a really freeing thing to be like, I could do whatever I want, but I'm so passionate. And like, this is my calling and this is what I want to spend my time on. I mean, I look at my life as, you know, you have personal family business, right? And I have 16 hours a day to fill. How am I going to fill that? It's really important to me that I fill 50% of my time with my family. I have four young kids and quite frankly, I want to be around them and I want to be involved in their life. And so the, the, I have 50% of my eight hours a day to do whatever else I want to do. And I think that I love entrepreneurs. I love work. Like, and I think that people that are in these scenarios just need to like build mental models, write stuff down, put it down for a bit, come back to it, speak to other entrepreneurs. Like I said, I've been very fortunate and blessed to be part of EO entrepreneur organization. And one of their philosophies is called Gestalt. There's nobody in that organization that's going to tell you what's good for you. They're going to say, Josh, do this, do that. That doesn't happen. They're going to say, Josh, that's a challenging thing. Let me talk about this time when this happened to me and I'll share as much as I can, but you got to make your own decision. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, be around a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, seek advice and, you know, have mentors and that kind of thing. So I encourage people just, yeah, like join organizations, share your story. I learn from others' experience uh, tremendously. Do you think that you'll finish out your career at, at high level marketing? Like, is this what you think you'll do for the rest of your entrepreneurial life? Well, I think that, you know, if I had to rub the crystal ball, I think that I'll be involved in this organization anywhere from the next three to five years. And the reason why I say that is because I think it's the most critical to get it to the next level. You know, who knows, you know, God willing, you know, private equity comes in, um, another merger comes in, you know, I'm going to give it my all 100% attention to help get us to the goal we want to go. I do think at some time, again, like my, my involvement, whether I stay at the board level, but I'll always refer digital marketing customers. Like say I go on in my life and whatever I do, if Josh, you call me out of the blue and said, man, my website screwed up and I need local SEO for this business, call high level marketing. Like Mm -hmm. I always see myself involved at some capacity whether it's consulting or just, again, referring business. But, you know, it's hard to say, you know, for the next, I'm 40 years old. Um, you know, it's 
times are different. I mean, COVID, like, look where we're at today. We're on a Zoom. Like, it's just, it's hard to predict, but I'm still passionate. I love the team. I love what we're doing. Um, and, I, and I'm really bullish and I'm really excited. And that's part of why I did the deal, too, to your comment about things just got stale and stagnant. I think as an entrepreneur, yeah, you got to rattle the cage sometime and wake up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to pressure myself because from an outside looking in, some of the employees were like, things are great. Like, why are you doing this? They didn't know deep down, like I was miserable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I'm second guessing myself every day and it's getting bad, you know? Right, right. No, absolutely. I just, uh, the, the last couple minutes, Wesley, I wanted to chat a little bit about marketing. Uh, would love to hear like in the last 12 years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen in terms of where where companies need help, what companies are getting wrong, the value that high-level marketing has been able to provide? Yeah, for sure. So if you would have told me uh, in 2009 that I'd still be having this conversation, I wouldn't believe you because I thought that business owners are really buttoned up. They have it all together. But the challenge is there's so many marketing companies out there. There's so many digital marketing things out there. 90% of them, in my opinion, are great. Uh, you have a certain amount of companies that do really great work and there's certain vehicles. I've always been a big ROI guy. If you give me a dollar, let's write a clear path on how you get 10 back. So for me, starting to where we're at today, the one thing I didn't see coming then was just the importance of content development. So, I mean, we started with like nobody actually writing content. We would just like grab content from a website, throw it in and just, you know, that's what we do early, early on. Now we have actual teams that write content. So. You know, getting business assets, I've always thought about a ways to expedite that. It's really hard to sit with a customer, uh, client, and then actually get their logo and get their content and get all their assets. That's always been a challenge. Um, but the evolution, I mean, I think it's been really more, I think from a UX design standpoint, as much as it's different, it's still very much the same, in my opinion. Um, but the SEO has really been the the, uh, the the thing that's changed throughout the years is just staying at the forefront staying ahead of that making investments and our technology i mean we've taken us personally i think why we're different than most digital marketing companies one of the biggest challenges we had as a digital marketing company and anybody listening or is in digital marketing they probably have this problem is how do you train a salesperson to quote properly if they're meeting with a plumber and you're going to pay for seo and you're going to pay x amount of dollars per month how do you know the outcome there's no way I I can argue somebody to death. Like there's no way anybody's going to know that. So what we were able to do is we built some technology around that will actually scan and through AI predict based on how we execute our work to that client to show if you invest this, this is what the outcome is going to be. And this is where you're going to be ranked. So Mm -hmm. we've been able to build this model that actually sped up production and sped everything up. And the clients can hold our feet to the fire and then our team can execute and build and build out the program around this document that's been a game changer i think quick you know quick to market launching products faster and faster and faster um, has been the key differentiating factor as we've kind of grown into where we're at today but content's huge um you know unique content just staying ahead of the seo um changes i mean there's there's a lot of changes even daily um and, right. and knowing that hiring the best hiring you know, just really, again, starting the company from square one was just finding bodies and really trying to grow something. You get to a certain size. Now it becomes, well, what's the culture like? What's all like a lot of things happen along the way. So I think that we've really been fortunate to, to kind of understand these critical moments as we grow. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. But um, but again, it's just 
things really haven't changed. And, and again, I think that if I if I were to rewind my mind, I didn't think high level marketing was going to last three to four years back in 2009. I'm like, everybody's going to figure this out. Everybody's going to have a website. No big deal, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's more in demand than it was, you know, then versus right. now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, it's it's super interesting. My my last question, Wes, is uh, if if there's some listeners right that now out there, and maybe they're working a nine to five, they're not happy in, or maybe they're going through some tough times with a with a brand new business. What are one or two pieces of advice you'd give to them? Um, you know, find a mentor. You know, find somebody that's an entrepreneur that you can just have an open, honest conversation. Like I said, I've read a lot. I've been a lot. I've traveled. I've met a lot of people. The EO concept changed my life because I had trusted individuals where I could openly share anything without judgment. And that for me was so critical. So find a like-minded entrepreneur, find a group full of entrepreneurs, uh, read. I mean, like I said, I think I made the joke, like in high school, I didn't read a textbook. I've read more books than probably anybody that went to any Ivy League. I've read every business book. I soak content in. Um, Just educate yourself and and to gain clarity, focus. yeah, read and, you know, look at look at um, certain groups. I mean, even if you're not doing a certain amount of revenue, there's other groups outside of EO. Um, you know, I, I help entrepreneurs. Sometimes people email me. I'm happy to kind of quickly chat and give people a framework. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of people help me along the way. I've had people contact me on LinkedIn because they have, you know, things. And if I can give people a couple different things to think about, to think differently, like I said, I learned by experience share. If I can push back on somebody and give them a little tidbit, that's really what makes me tick as an entrepreneur and I, and I love to do that stuff. So awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's great advice. Thanks so much, uh, Wesley, for coming on the show, sharing the stories, sharing the journey. It's uh, it's really incredible. If people want to get in touch with you either directly or, or maybe use the services of the company, where do they, where do you recommend they go? For sure. Yeah. If you're interested in anything, digital marketing, you know, check out highlevelmarketing.com. And if you're looking to reach out to me personally, um, LinkedIn, you know, Wesley Matthews with one T. Um, yeah, if I get messages, you know, I, I typically respond back in a day or two, but yeah, I mean, I encourage any kind of question or whatever. I'd love to, love to chat. Awesome. We'll have links to those in the description. Wes, thanks again for coming on the show. And if, if anyone is interested, make sure to check out solopreneurgrind.com as well, because we, we are building a little uh, discord community for, uh, for entrepreneurs as well. So that could be a, a solution to one of Wes's uh, earlier answers. Thanks again for coming on, Wes. Really appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it.